Grab a Bible, and we're going to continue what we've been doing here, if I get mine open. Um, and we're in Romans today. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament, so it's towards the back, um, right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. I know Acts is not a Gospel, but right after that one. Um, written by Paul, and we're going to be in chapter 10. Now, we haven't been going through Romans. We've been going through why we believe what we believe as a church. Um, not what does the church believe about every little thing. If you want to know that, come catch me. I'll be happy to talk to you about all that stuff, um, answer any questions you got that I can answer, and uh, I'll be happy to do that. But what we've been looking at is kind of our three core values. We do this every year, start of the year, uh, just kind of remind ourselves of who we are and what we're trying to do as a church. And so we're on the third week of that. Um, next week we're doing an upper room. I'll come back to that later in the cert- before we leave today. And then the next week we're going to move into Ephesians and we're going to work through it for a little while. So, but right now we're in this series, a little three week thing of why, why our core values, which are truth, love, and mission. So we talked about truth, which is God's word. Why do we preach God's word? Why do we teach God's word? Why is God's word the foundation of everything for us? We talked about truth. Why do we love, I mean, excuse me, love. Why do we love unconditionally? Uh, tough word. Unconditional. If you want to know, you can, if you didn't see it, you can go back and watch it or listen to it however you want online. We talked about it last week. So this week's the third. Why our mission, which is make disciples. I could say, first of all, right up front, because Jesus said so. And we could just drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> but, uh, if Jesus had not made disciples and not told them to make disciples, you wouldn't be sitting here today. Just think about that for a second. Had his disciples not been told, make disciples, you wouldn't be sitting here today. Uh, it's because they did that, that, that we're here. So that we could say that. But beyond that, why make disciples? Um, May 21st, 2000, uh, I, I, 2012, I have this date in my mind because I don't journal a lot, but this one's in a journal because it was such a wild night that when I got home, I wrote it down. Um, I was in a prison in Tennessee. I had been three weeks, not not locked up. I was doing ministry there. I had been locked in that prison, but at this point in time, I was back doing I was back doing ministry there, and uh, I had three Monday nights to meet with these guys and try to give them the gospel. And I was overwhelmed with how am I going to try to get some depth into them in three short little. 45-minute talks on Monday nights. So the first night I came in, I said, well, let's do it this way. I mapped it out in my brain. The first week we'll talk about the word. The second week we'll talk about who Jesus is. And the third week we'll just drop the gospel and challenge them to respond. So the first week I'm in there and we're talking about what if the Bible's true? What if the Bible is really what it claims to be, the word of God? And we wrestled through that and they asked questions and it was great. And then the next week I came back and I said, what if Jesus is who he says he was? And we wrestled with that. Is Jesus really who he claimed to be? Who did he claim to be? And we wrestled with that, and it was great. So week three, I'm back, ready to go. We're going to hit the gospel, man. It's the same guys every week. It's like 25 dudes. It's the same ones. And I'm like, we're going to hit it right now. 
and I'm coming in and, and, and I start kind of laying in because my whole focus is just going to be the gospel. And I start kind of laying in, but I barely even get started. And they're interrupting me and they're asking me, how can I be forgiven? What can I do to be saved? So being a Christian doesn't mean I have to be perfect. Like they're asking these questions before. I've never had this happen before. I'm like, wow. You know, you talk about the harvest being plentiful. I mean, they are ready to go. Like, all, really, all I got to do is say, hey, look, let's pray, man. Let's give our lives to Christ. And and I'm overwhelmed by this almost to the point of tears. And then in that moment, just as we're getting started, just as they're asking those questions, the door flies open to the room, which is always startling because the prison's locked down. Doors don't just fly open. And the door flies open. An inmate, I mean, excuse me, a guard walks in, a CO, and says, all right, we're going on lockdown. Everybody go back to your cell right now. And they all start to stand up and line up. And what had happened was somebody had committed suicide in one of the cell blocks, and they locked the prison down until they sorted that out. And so all these guys, there's no discussion. There's no, hey, give me a minute. Hey, can I finish? None of that. It's go. They all stand up immediately, line up on the wall, and start to funnel out to head back. And I'm like, this gutted. I'm like, how can this be happening? And I'm like, God, really? Uh, and, and I'm, I'm halfway thinking this spiritual, like did, did, did the devil cause a dude to jump off of, you know, kill himself in order to stop, you know, I'm just in my mind, all these thoughts are going through my head, but there was this one guy, man, this African American dude that was sitting right up front. He'd been there for three weeks. He was an old guy, older than me. And he'd been taking notes like crazy. He'd been writing everything down. His Bible was old and worn and big. And I could see notes all over it too. And so when he came past me and I didn't know him. But when he came past me, I just kind of, they were all kind of hugging me or shaking my hand on the way out. And as he came past me, I gave, I kind of gave him a little shoulder hug and pulled him in real close. And I said, Hey man, can you finish this? And he said, I got you. And I thought, you know what? That's what discipleship is supposed to look like. He, he lives with him. He is a disciple who can lead these people to Christ now. And then, based on that, he can stay in there with them and disciple them and help them grow. Because either way, I was gone. Either way, that was my last day there no matter what. So he gets the blessing of being there, of leading them in and making disciples out of them. But here's the deal. None of that would have mattered anyway if I'd never agreed to go. I got invited to go do that. If I'd never, if I'd said, no, nah, I'm really too busy right now, none of that would have happened. No one would have heard it. And if I had, you know, if I didn't share the gospel, nobody would have had anything to believe or anything to put their faith in. And if I hadn't shared the word, they wouldn't have had it for themselves. It would have just been, what's that white dude who walked up in here talking about? Can you remember? But instead, they had the word. They had it for themselves. Making disciples is the mission of our church. It is. But today, rather than focus on talking about discipleship groups and what goes on in the groups and the different ways that you can study and invest in people's lives, I want to talk about the one thing that seems to get ignored when you start talking about discipleship, and that's sharing the gospel. Uh, it, it's become almost this like thing that's set up on a shelf. And my one sentence, you know, God here, kind of the, the point that we're making in this text in one sentence is this. Salvation comes by faith. But it requires the obedience of God's people to go and explain it to those who need to hear the gospel. Now, that's not scripture. That's just me talking. 
Salvation comes by faith but requires the obedience of God's people to go and explain it to those who need to hear the gospel. So when I say explain it, by the way, I mean preach it, proclaim it, teach it, display it, but from the word of God. And that requires a disciple, not necessarily a pastor, not necessarily a missionary. It just requires a disciple. That, that's all. So Romans chapter 10, look at verse 13. Logan read the whole text for us earlier, but let me read it again. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's, he's quoting there, Paul, from Joel 2, verse 32. You can look it up in your own time. You can make a note of it. So he's quoting Old Testament scripture. And he says then now, 14, how then? Will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, again, quoting Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 16, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah in chapter 53, verse 1, he's quoting here, says, Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us? Well, his point there is that Hearing's nothing if it doesn't produce faith. So that, yes, they are, there is the need to hear, but hearing, if it doesn't produce faith, believing, obedience, if those things don't come from it, then it's just noise. You know, and he says, so faith comes from hearing, but hearing also from the word of Christ. From the word of Christ, which also is cool, by the way. Side note, it says the word of Christ. It doesn't say word of God, although they are the same. That's the point. They are the same. But notice back in that first verse, it started with salvation is for everybody. Did you see that? Salvation is for everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you've done. Make your list. It don't matter. I don't care what you don't have. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your the denomination you grew up in, the prison you grew up in, the homeless shelter you grew up in, the the uh, home that you grew up in. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've hurt other people. It doesn't matter. It's it's for you. It's available to everyone with a condition. One condition. They must call on Christ for it. You see that? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, you got to call. And Paul said there's a path to that. Look at it in reverse. They're sent by God. They preach. They Those hear. Those believe. They call to Christ, which is repentance. They call out to him. You're not going to call to him unless you are in repenting. I need you. And they're saved by him. Sent by God. Preach. Hear. Believe. Call out to Christ. And then you're saved by God. So let's take this apart a little bit and talk about it. Here's a couple of questions. Who is sent by God and where? Notice it doesn't say, does it? Therefore, the answer is you. Everybody. You. Where are you sent? Across the street. To the next cubicle, to Sky Apartments, to your parents' house, to your children's house. Um, you know, maybe across the city. Maybe across the state. Maybe across the globe. 
Maybe. You know, I, I don't know, but maybe. But we like to use terms like missionary, right, to imply super Christians. So those are the ones that are called to, to Japan. Those are the ones that are, are called to South Africa. I might be called to Cabo San Lucas, but they're called to Indonesia. You know what I'm saying? Like missionaries are called over there. Like if the calling was all to paradise, we'd all be signed. Oh, yep, yep. God's sending me right there. That's where he's sending me. But, but that's not the case. He, he doesn't qualify where. It could be anywhere. And it's not about missionaries or super Christians. There's no such thing in the Bible. There's nothing unique about them. They're just people who have been in the habit of saying, yes, Lord. I'll go talk to them. I am just sat down at a restaurant. I'll talk to the person next to me. I'll go to the person in the cubicle beside me. I'll go to the office next door. I will talk about it over here. I'll talk about it over there. And the more you do that, the more God says, man, let me just send you right over here. Let me just send you right over here. Let me just send you right over here. And if he's sending you, he pays for it for the most of the part. It, it's not like you got to figure out ways. How could I ever do that? Now, he's the one sending you. You don't think he can't provide for that? It's not a missionary in a super Christian way. It's just obedient Christians. And if you think, well, I'm not sent, then my first question is, what's the scriptural reference you're coming to to make that decision? Show me where in Scripture it says that some are not, that you're not. And second, if that's so, what are you doing right now, right here, to make disciples? Who, who are you sharing it with right now, right here, if you think you're not sent somewhere else? So what's the gospel that we're preaching? What is the good news that he's talking about? Look again at verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice it says call. That word call is an appeal for help. It's like this. It's like the guy who goes to court and he's been convicted. You're convicted. You're guilty. And he realizes, oh, my gosh, i got to make an appeal. It goes straight to the lawyer and says, please, file an appeal. File an appeal. Like I realize now no matter what kind of game I played, no matter what attempt I've made to make myself right, uh, I'm guilty now. They found me guilty. My only hope is to appeal. That's what that word call means. To, to appeal, to, to basically beg on the name. That's a hymn. This is not just, oh, God, help, little G, God. This is not even, oh, God, help, big G, God. This is not just a cry in general of, man, show me something that works. This is the name. Do you see that? It's calling out to the name. That tell, This tells me two things. You're acknowledging that you need him, and you know who him is. That's in that one little sentence. In order to be saved, there's two things. I'm acknowledging that I need him, and I know who him is in order to call him by name. The gospel is good news for a fact, but only for those who need it. Only for those who need it. They know how hopeless they are. They understand the poison of sin. They know what it's doing in their life. Like, they know what the chains feel like that are sitting on them, that are weighing down their soul. They understand what rot feels like inside somehow. Can't explain it to you. I don't know how to say what I feel, but I feel like I'm dead already. And they know the weight of the grave drooling for them. 
feeling like there's no hope on the other side. Good news is the name. Jesus. The son of God who takes away the sins of the world. How? He became sin for us. He was born to a virgin, not just as a flex. He was born to a virgin because he was born without sin. He was from God. He grew up a perfect, sinless man, which was important because he died for the sins of man. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, man for man. He had to be sinless, spotless, and perfect in order to represent who it is we're supposed to be, sinless, spotless, and perfect. And instead of growing up like we did and being like we are, he grew up perfect. He lived a perfect life, and then he took that filthy sin that Dave Wiley has done and put that on himself. And he took that perfection that he lived and put it on me. And if that weren't enough, he took my sin and put it to an end by dying on a cross, becoming a sacrifice for my sin, going to a grave intentionally in order to defeat the grave because there's no chance I ever will. No chance I'm getting back up when it's over. But he did. And I belong to him. So that means... I do too. The grave can't hold those who have faith in him. But it says faith. It says believing. God left it in your hands. It's a decision you make. You don't have to. Listen to me. The gospel is only for those who need it. You don't have to. If you feel like you can get past the grave on your own, if you feel like you can live a good enough life to satisfy the perfect God who you believe you know who that if you think you can do all that he will allow you to I have absolute certainty you're going to be sorely disappointed but you can do it that's why it's an act of faith an act of believing it's 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 not like you're believing in ghosts it's like saying I trust you because I don't trust me I believe what you said I believe what you did and I trust you with it. I'm going to let you have it. Because I know I can't. And I know I can't. I know I've already ruined it. So the question is really simple. Do you believe? Can you trust him? Will you trust him? Or are you going to take your chances? If you know Christ, if your faith is already in him, you don't have to sweat this anymore. That's the beauty of it all. It's not like you get to the end and here, here's Christ over here and, 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 and he says, you know, uh, father, I, 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 I know that Molly, you know, she's great. Uh, I, I know she did these sins over here, but, but she loves me and she trusts me and she gave her life to me. And the, you know, and, and, and there's this long rap sheet that Jesus is going to go down and strike out and say, no, 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 none of that happens because that's already dealt with. How do I know that? I give you a lot of things, but Romans 8, 1, there is now, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're trusting him for it, Josh Hodges' sins were covered 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, it was handled. Abraham's sins were covered 2,000 years ago, which was a few thousand years after him. Makes no difference. God covered them. It's taken care of. 
when Josh gets before the Lord, I, I'm certain, now this is me adding, but this is what I envision. The only thing Josh is going to see is arms out and a hug. You know, that's it. Why? Because he's a child. Not a criminal. Not a good person that was a bad person. Not any of that. He, he's at home. He's a child. He's home. Done. That's the good news. That's the good news. So what do you need to do with it? Look back just a few verses before. What do you do? How do you respond? Verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, that sounds like a very simple, easy thing. But it's not. It means that in your heart is decided. It's not a magic spell. It's not going. It's not. It's not a Christmas thing where you're hoping Santa comes. It's saying in my heart is decided. I believe in Him. It's almost like a marriage. It's like saying I've decided she's the one. She's the one marrying her, giving my whole life to her. I believe that she is to be my wife. And you tell everybody why? Because she's amazing. And she's beautiful, and she's the woman of your dreams. Go, Santana, I see you. She's the woman of my dreams. She is everything I ever hoped for. She's given me more than I ever deserve, and I want everybody to know it. If that's occurring in your life, you have been saved. That's what he's saying. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It works hand in hand. It's not saying you're repeating a prayer. I repeat after me and ask Jesus in your heart. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, but I'm just, there's a reason we don't do that. I don't need you to repeat after me. I need you to tell him what's in your heart. I want to hear what's in your heart. I don't want you to say what I say. It's not a mantra. It's not a magic spell. It's a person. You're talking to somebody. And if you don't believe that, then this is not something you're ready for yet. Know what I'm saying? Salvation is believing. Look in verse 11. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Salvation is believing. And believing is a response to faith. Faith in this. Therefore, I believe in it. I have faith and I believe in it. I have faith in this woman. I believe in her. I'm going to give my life to her. And tell the world how amazing she is. I believe in him in the same way. Back in chapter 10, or yeah, chapter 10, back in verse 17, it says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is not just accepting a religion to follow. Faith is not just accepting a religion. Or working hard to be a good person and hoping that God is pleased by it. That's not the case. That's not what faith is. It's not hoping you're going to be good enough. I have faith I'm going to be good enough. I have faith it's going to work out. I have faith that's not faith. Faith is a relationship. Faith is trusting somebody. I know him. He knows me. I trust him. 
completely with everything. Enough, in my case, to move to Arizona. Enough, in my case, to wrestle with the fact that I have a grandbaby in Tennessee right now, and I'm still here. Not bragging on me. I'm, I'm making a point here that my words are not hollow. I'm not just preaching the word. I'm telling you, it costs, and it's okay because I trust him. The Hodges have been here, what, 10 years trusting him. Years on reservations trusting him. You know, Connolly comes up here and sings every week when she gets a chance, trust in God because she wants to lead us in worship. It's trust in him and it's seen in, in what we do and what we say and how we act. It's, it's visual. That's what faith is. So the question is, can you hear him? Comes by hearing. Can you hear him? The verse concludes with the word of Christ. It's the word that provides faith. It is. That's the reason why that's one of our core values. That's the reason why it's the first, in my opinion. That's the reason why this is the most important thing in the world to me, because that's where faith comes from. I know what I do, but it's never going to be a fancy sermon that gives faith. It's never going to happen. It's never going to be scientific explanation. It's never going to be a supernatural miracle. Think of how many miracles Jesus did, and yet how many people still said, there's, who are you? Tell us who you are, really. I mean, immediately after raising Lazarus from the dead, go look it up in John. Immediately after raising Lazarus from the dead is when the Pharisees decide to kill him. Miracles are never going to be what makes you believe. What's going to make you believe is the word of God. So can you hear his word? Let me end this with verse 15 real quick. Look back at it. How beautiful are those who... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but feet being because they brought it to you, not feet because their feet look sharp or because they're wearing good tennis shoes. It, it means they're the ones who delivered it to you. He's quoting from a few places. Nahum 1.15 says, Behold upon the mountains the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace. Uh, good news, by the way, is the word gospel. That's where it comes from. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news in, of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Do you see this speaking? Publishes? That means you make it public. You speak it. You speak it. You don't just come contrary to what's become popular over the past decade or two and do really good humanitarian things and live a good Christ-like life and say nothing about him and expect people are going to be saved because they watch you. That is untrue. There are plenty of lost people that do great humanitarian things. That's not the case, and it's nowhere in the Bible. It, you publish it. You say it. You teach it. It comes from hearing his word. Let me read you this. Now, bear with me a minute. Because I want you to hear it. Um, this is from the Washington Post in April 22nd, 2021. Don't care your opinion of the political side. This has nothing to do with politics at all, so you can breathe out right there. Uh, April 22nd, 21. I saved the article because, well, you'll see. It says, when Rene Campion snapped a photo of his soot-stained legs hanging over a steep cascade of rocks, he feared it was the last picture he'd ever take. 
Hopelessly lost while hiking in Southern California, he was certain he would die. I'm not ready, the 45-year-old man told himself as he repeatedly yelled for help and used charred sticks to write SOS on any open surface he could find. Compion had trekked through the Angeles National Forest uh, trails more times than he could count, he said, but after venturing along a path, For what he intended to be only a two-hour outing, he lost his way. Several hours into the solo hike, after many failed attempts at getting his bearings, he was truly scared. The temperature was dropping fast in the remote, rugged terrain, and the winds were whipping. Compion grabbed his cell phone, which he had less than 10% battery remaining, and climbed to a spot where he was able to get at least one bar of signal. SOS, my phone is going to die. I'm lost. Compion texts a friend, along with two photos showing where he was, though only one of those went through. It was the picture of his legs. The photo offered minimal information, and giving his lack of cell phone signal, the resolution was also very low. More importantly, though, Compion didn't realize his location settings were disabled on his phone. He described his time alone in the mountains with no flashlight and only a liter of water, and a power bar in his backpack as terrifying. I didn't want to give up, Compion said, adding that he kept trying to climb higher to make himself more visible. I didn't know what I would have, uh, excuse me, I didn't know if I would have made it another day there because I probably would have fallen trying to get to higher peaks. He yelled for help over and over even as it seemed futile. It would just echo into the mountains. And I wouldn't get anything in return, said Compion, who eventually lost his voice. He spent the night on high alert after spotting two mountain lions and a bear. He said keeping a big stick and some sharp rocks beside him in case animals came close. He was dressed in a tank top, shorts, and a hoodie. Compion was chilled all the way to the bone. He hugged himself into a tight ball using his backpack to shield his bare legs from the frigid gusts that pounded him. The Los Angeles Sheriff's Department search and rescue teams had already spent the previous night unsuccessfully looking for him. So they released this photograph to the public, hoping somebody could help. The department put it on Twitter and said, are you an avid hiker in the Mount Waterman area? Teams need help locating a missing hiker. Posted the picture. Ben QO, 47 years old, was working at his home about 60 miles away in Ventura, California, when he stumbled upon the tweet. He inspected the image and he thought, I bet I could find that spot. Kuo worked in the tech industry, but he's also an amateur radio operator, and for several years as a hobby, he's used his Twitter account to alert the public about natural disasters. He regularly examines satellite imagery to identify and track local wildfires. Plus, he has another unusual pastime. He says, I I have always loved looking for where phones, photos are taken. He frequently tries to identify where movie scenes occur or television shows or commercials were filmed. It's just a hobby, but he's often successful. So when he came across the blurry image of Compion's legs surrounded by an endless landscape of rocks and vegetation, he instinctively pulled up a satellite map. Since the sheriff's department said Compion's car was found near Buckhorn Campground, he narrowed his search to the surrounding area. The first thing he noticed in the picture were patches of greenery. I realized 
He's got to be on the south side because there's not really any green valleys on the north side, he explained. The final step was cross-referencing the photo with Google Earth and comparing specific details. By punching in the time and date that the photo was taken, you can compare the view in Google Earth, said QO, and I found a match. He shared a screenshot of the satellite imagery on Twitter and called the sheriff's department to notify officials of the coordinates he uncovered. After vetting the findings, a search and rescue team swiftly boarded a helicopter, flew to the area. More than a full day and a half after he went missing, the rescuers found Compion less than a mile from QO's predicted coordinates. QO said it was very gratifying that he was saved. Listen to this. He says, if you have information that could help save somebody, that's something worth sharing. For Compion, who had spent more than 27 hours alone in the wilderness, hearing the vibrating helicopter hovering above him, left him in tears. He was overwhelmed with relief. He said, I'm saved. And he yelled it repeatedly to nobody in particular. Compion's story probably would have ended very differently, Sheriff Gilbert said, had a total stranger with a strong satellite skill and sharp eye for detail not taken immediate action. Compion said, I owe you my life. How beautiful are those, are the feet of those who bring salvation. Everybody feels the weight of it in that context, right? Everyone on this planet is in one of three camps. I'm finishing up here, but everybody is in one of three camps. You're either the hiker that doesn't realize you're lost and you just stubbornly keep marching on while your phone battery just keeps draining down. And you have no idea because you just think you know what you're doing and you know where you are and you make no effort to reach for help or call for help because you've got it figured out. Or, number two, you're the hiker that knows you're lost. You're the hiker that feels the panic of, I only got one bar left. You're the hiker that wants somebody somewhere to please bring me hope. Or number three, you're the person that has all the skill necessary to rescue. You know how to find them. And you know how to bring them, send them hope. That's it, man. You're only one of those three. And if you don't act, it doesn't matter. Notice the pathway Paul gives here. Finding salvation begins and ends with God. God sends and God saves. You see that? God sends, God saves. Where's the first place it can break down? I'm right. I'm not going. Too busy. Don't have time. Not a missionary. I don't know that person. Fear of not having answers. What, what if they ask me something I can't answer, God? I don't know your word that well. We, I, I, y'all know all the excuses. I could say them all. What if they hit me? What if they harm me? What if they cuss at me? What if they never talk to me again? What if they go to the? What if they report me to the boss? What if they? Whatever. I don't know. Where? What if I say yes, and then God sends me somewhere else? 
These are reasons why, guys, discipleship matters. It equips you to have answers for all of those things. And most people in the church today think discipleship is the responsibility of the institution. Uh, The truth of the matter is the church is not this building. The church is you. It is the responsibility of the church to make disciples. That means it's yours. It's your responsibility to make disciples. But if we spend our time making disciples out of people who are disciples in order to make more disciples from the people who are disciples, then we miss the whole point of all of it. Got to be sharing the gospel. Got to be sharing the gospel. And listen, I love that we have the little handful of people we have in here right now. I would love to see every seat in this room filled. I'd be great with that. I'd love to put more chairs out. I've done it before and back it all up and all that. But listen, what I want is somebody to get saved. I want people to give their life to Jesus in this room or somebody you you share with would be even better for you to come in and say, man, let me tell you who Christ saved this week. That would be awesome. Stand up with me and uh, we're going to finish it up here. And I'm going to pray for us. And here's the deal. It's not complicated. I love something J.I. Packer said, and I'm not quoting him, but he basically said, if you feel like you need to share the gospel, what you need most is a friend. And that's really the way it is. We make it so heavy. It's not a presentation. It's just making friends. Just go make a friend with somebody. Like, eventually, if you're friends with somebody and you love God's word, it's going to come out in your mouth. You're going to talk about it. Why? Because you care. I guarantee you, if you make friends with Cameron back there, you're going to hear about OU football. It's Oklahoma, not Ohio State. Oklahoma football, you're going to hear his opinion of Texas. Those things are going to happen. Why? Because you've made a friend of him, and that's something he's passionate about. If you're passionate about Christ, if you're passionate about his word, all you really need to do is make friends and then be surprised. when Oops, it slipped out. And then before you know it, you're talking about it. It's that easy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your word. Lord, I pray um, for those who are here today who are hearing your word, myself included, God, that it would move us to act, um, not, not, in, not in a, a menacing way, not in an, an, an you know, ugly way, not in a forceful way, not in a crusades kind of way, Lord, but in a, man, I love you enough that I need you to know way, in a way that says, I haven't, if you're the lost hiker, I know where you are, and I can help you find rescue. Lord, let let us be about that. And God, I pray that if there's anybody here today that hadn't made that step, Lord, let it be today. Man, let them be the hiker today that calls out and says, man, look, I'm down to one bar. Lord, save me. Save me. Confess with their mouth. Believe in their heart. Lord, I trust you. I know who I am. I know I'm not going to make it. I'm calling out to you. Save me. Lord, I pray if people would do that today, I know your word is true and you are faithful to it and you will. Lord, we ask all these things for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.